0: going to be reading two passage, passages from Genesis, and then Matthew will come up and read a passage from John, and he'll ask you to stand for that one. Genesis 8, 6 through 16. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Genesis 9, 8 through 16. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between you and me and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth.
1: If you're able, please stand for the gospel reading. From John 20:19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. We welcome today Reverend Meta Kramer. She and her husband Steve, uh, and actually Steve has actually preached here twice, so we've, we have the honor of having both a husband and wife um, with us, moved to Columbiana in December of 1980 to co-pastor several small churches called the Good News Presbyterian Parish, where they served together for 26 years. After serving as an interim pastor at Cuyahoga Falls for a year, she became the pastor of the First Presbyterian Church of Salem. Since retiring four years ago, she has served for 15 months as the transitional pastor of the First Presbyterian Church of Mineral Ridge. She and her husband have two adult children who are Columbiana High School graduates, as well as a granddaughter born on February 25th. Thank you so much for being with us today, Meta. We're glad to have you here.
2: Thank you for inviting me, Matthew. It's really delightful to be here, and especially delightful to see the children playing their instruments. That was, that was joyful and fabulous, and how lucky you are to have so many wonderful kids in the congregation. Cherish them, please, because that isn't true everywhere. Please pray with me. Gracious God, breathe your spirit upon us that we may hear your word and may find in it what we need today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to tell you that the story of Noah's Ark, part of which we heard today, this is one of my very favorite stories in the Bible. My husband, Steve, and I have collected quite a few models of that ark over the years, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with the animals that we've had in our home over the years and those which we still have. When Noah ushers all those animals onto the lifeboat called the ark, it seems like a fulfillment of Psalm 36, verse 6. You save both man and beast. You preserve both people and animals. God saves. God rescues. I love that at least one denomination, which is not sadly my own Presbyterian church, but one, dom- one denomination at least sees fit to make this story of God's saving love a reading for the first Sunday after the day of resurrection. The flood, the ark, the animals, these might not seem like what we'd expect to hear about this particular Sunday. So, why should we? This morning we didn't hear the hard part of Noah's story. We didn't hear about the rising floodwaters the verses we heard didn't ask us to imagine the horror as every living thing on earth died, drowned, except, of course, for those on the ark. Those were the people and the animals God saved. Those were the ones God preserved through the work of Noah. What we heard about in today's reading was what happened when it finally stopped raining, what transpired as the water started to recede from the earth. As for the flooding time, though, Genesis doesn't say one word about the thoughts or the feelings of anyone who was on that ark during the 10 biblical months, probably at least 300 days, but we can only imagine what eight people would experience being cooped up with representatives of everything of all flesh, all birds, and every creeping thing. Wouldn't you wonder whether this was ever going to end? whether the floodwaters that covered every mountain would ever go down, whether you'd ever see dry land again. We do not know what any of those eight people thought. But isn't it possible that they might have feared that they'd never get through this? Possible that Noah might have reflected on whether he'd heard God's intentions correctly. Might those eight people have had their doubts? But God remembers Noah. Walter Brueggemann calls those opening words of the eighth chapter of Genesis the gospel message in this saga. God remembers God remembers Noah and everybody else on the ark. And then the water begins to dry up. The ark's passengers finally disembark. And God makes a covenant with every living creature. Every creature, human, non human, your cat, your dog your gerbil, the squirrels in your backyard. God makes a covenant with all of us, never again to destroy the world with a flood. God sets the rainbow in the clouds and declares, when I see the bow, I will remember the covenant. God makes that covenant, that promise, and then promises to remember it. The rainbow is like a string tied around God's finger a sign to us and to God that God has no intention to ever take such drastic action again. That God will bear with the world, bear with us in all our violence and turmoil, that God will even grieve with us, but that instead of wiping us out, God will stick with us. Post-flood, everything has been made fresh and new as those people and animals step out on a whole new earth. Whatever anxiety, whatever doubts those people in the ark might have had, after the death of everything else on earth that had breath in its nostrils, After 10 months of uncertainty, God gives the world a new beginning. Sort of like Easter Day. John's Gospel tells us that on Easter evening, Jesus' disciples were gathered together. They've heard the good news that Jesus is alive. As John's Gospel tells the story, Peter and John have found the empty tomb, but none of the twelve have laid eyes on Jesus yet. But all of a sudden, there he is, assuring them, speaking peace, breathing new life into them like a kind of divine CPR. Until that moment, all they had to go on was the word of Mary Magdalene who had met the risen Jesus outside his tomb and then come to tell them, I have seen the Lord. But they hadn't seen him himself. Did they question Mary's word? Think she was a woman hysterical with grief? The gospel doesn't tell us what they thought any more than Genesis tells us what went on in the minds of Noah and his family. But then they had to wait ten months for that flooding to finally be over. But between the time they heard Mary's message and the time Jesus appeared among them, it was a matter of hours. And then they saw him with their own eyes, saw his pierced side and his wounded hands, and knew it was him. But not all of them. Thomas wasn't there. A week later, the disciples are gathered together, a week after Resurrection Day, just like we are today. Thomas is there this time, and Jesus shows up again, inviting Thomas not only to see his wounds, but to poke around in them if he wants to. Mm -hmm. But Thomas doesn't have to do that. Jesus has opened his eyes, and he sees resurrection standing in front of him. So Thomas opens his mouth and exclaims, my Lord and my God. At least in my tradition, we're supposed to hear this gospel every single year. Why is it so important for us to hear about this man we know as Doubting Thomas? Maybe because he doubted, but Jesus doesn't scold him. Jesus doesn't kick him out of his inner circle. Jesus shows him his wounds and invites him to believe the voice he's hearing with his own ears and the evidence he's seeing with his own eyes. Maybe we're supposed to hear this story so often because don't we all have doubt? I know, maybe you say that you don't. But when we find ourselves in floodwaters up to our necks, when everything becomes too much, when, as our opening song one of them said, when we walk through the wilderness of our lives, when we feel sad, when we watch someone we love die in agonizing death, is it just possible that we might wonder whether God remembers us. It's just possible at those times, or other times, that we might have doubts about whether Jesus is alive and in our midst. Doubting Thomas, as he's known, gets such a bad rap, which I think is so unfortunate. Whereas Thomas Beaker wrote, If you don't have any doubts, you're either kidding yourself or asleep. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. And poor Thomas, all he wanted was to see Jesus with his own eyes the way the other disciples had. Or isn't seeing, believing... We might find it significant that Jesus makes his appearances when the disciples are gathered together, which I think is a very important reason to be in worship this Sunday or any other time. We gather, we gather to praise God, of course, to give God thanks, and to bring to God our needs and the needs of others. But don't we also come to remember? After I preached at a church in Akron last Sunday, the church musician said to me, thank you for reminding us of the story because sometimes we forget and we need to be reminded. Which is another reason to worship. To remember who we are and whose we are. To remember that God's will for us is life. To remember that Jesus is alive and on the loose, bringing grace and truth into the life of the world. We come to be reminded because sometimes we forget. Or sometimes we may wonder even doubt, whether God remembers us. But when we gather together, we do remember. We remember that God remembers. We remember that God created this good world and everything in it. We remember that God remembered the ark and everyone on it. Remember that God set slaves free. Remember that the Word who created all things became flesh and lived among us. Remember that Jesus, that living Word, does live today and forever. Remember, let yourself be reminded. Remind (coughs) one another. He is our Lord
0: and our God. Amen.